Hey, welcome out to the Grace Ops Podcast. Brian Phillips here with you today in the studio. It's an honor to be here. It's it's amazing to see all that God's doing in Grace Ops. I'm, it, our team is just excited. We're excited. We're starting to hit cities. We're starting to get traction. It's really awesome. So we want to encourage you to jump on the social medias, all of our social media platforms. You can find us anywhere at Grace Ops 212. Just find us at Grace Ops 212 on whatever platform you love. We'd love to connect with you there. I've got a great personal friend of mine who's a philanthropic entrepreneur in the studio today here. He's in Texas. I'm up in the Chicago area. We're going to be bringing him in in a moment, but he's a a great friend of mine, Steve Wilson. We're going to be discussing the war of endurance. So the, the, the goal in life, any, any goal that we set is the goal is actually to complete it, to finish it, to actually finish the work. And there's this quote in scripture that comes to my mind, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And we want to hear that in our lives. We want to hear that in our assignments. And, you know, maybe you don't live on the same planet I live on right now, but things are difficult. Things are very tough. I mean, there's tensions everywhere. Like, like I would say epic, like things we've never really experienced at this measure in our lifetimes. And it can kind of put you in a sense of like, what's going on and what's, what's really, what's around the next corner? What's the next storyline? And we've got to stay anchored and centered in our assignments, no matter what happens, you know, so that we can deal with anything that comes our way. So we want to be faithful. That's a very powerful thing. And to be faithful, we actually have to walk in endurance. And there's this, there's a Hebrew word that I love, emunah. It's a word I loved from well over a decade ago when I heard the meaning of it. Actually, of all the times in the New Testament, when you hear the word faith, you know, because like, what is faith? Like, I always, you know, I always, I'm a, I lift weights and I'm a strong guy and, I, and I'm kind of a tough guy guy. You know, I, I have that thing on, about me, but so sometimes I think faith is like, ah, oh, just be tough, just grunt through it. Just, you know, believe so hard your veins are popping in your, in your forehead and you're just, I'm going to do this. Nothing can stop me. But actually when I learned the Hebrew word, imunah, it actually relaxed me a lot because the word faith, 99% of the time in the new Testament is actually to be faithful. It's just that simple. No matter what my emotions are, no matter what I'm going through, I'm just going to be faithful. And see, when we learn to be faithful and we learn that grace empowers us to be faithful and to live with a faithful heart, then we can actually endure whatever is before us. No matter how difficult the terrain, we can endure. No matter, it's just like David, right? David was either, he was either running or he was ruling. And when David was running, he was a man of endurance. And even when David was ruling, he was a man of endurance. So that kind of sets the stage there a little bit for us. Um, You know, one more touch point for me. I'm a big believer that this little phrase here, there's nothing more biblical, nothing closer to the heart of God than community. It's, It's the plurality. God is building a body. He's building a people. And we've got to get that in our narcissistic 21st century, you know, selfie, scroll, everything's about me culture. You know, we're talking about a God who we're just in the recent part of history. Did everybody have a copy of the Bible? I mean, they used to have to come together. There's a power about together community. And why am I saying this? Because you will never find your individual assignment. And I, Christianity isn't a self-help movement. That's, that's a, such a deceptive thing. It's a self-death movement. Christ wants you to die 
to yourself, to your energy so that you can live in him. Now, I always say, hey, you know, you, we got to have the plurality. We got to see the big picture of what God's doing in his peoples. And then I find where my piece of that fits in, the individual part. So there you go. That I kind of laid some framework for the war of endurance. And Steve, welcome to the show, man. Welcome to this episode. The war of endurance. How are you doing today, man? It's great to be with it's great to be with you, Brian. It's a, it's an honor to be with you on this podcast. Yeah, tell us about your life, who you are. Now, I mean, or we could start off with this, right? I've known you for 25 years. I lived in your basement, man, in Waxahachie, Texas. <laughs> yes, you did. I lived and, there I, um, when I was training for the ministry in my early days. Uh, that's how I yeah. met Steve, and it's been a powerful time. So, yeah, tell share a memory. Mm-hmm. Tell tell people something stupid about me if you want to, and then uh, tell us about yeah, well, tell us about your passion. Because you know, when I lived in your basement, you were actually becoming this entrepreneurial, passionate guy. <laughs> like I loved it because you had a day job, and then you had this company you were starting, some kind of Texan Utilities. And <laughs> yeah, you know, I was always uh, working on something, and uh, you know, it's we can get into that a little more as this uh, program progresses, but. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, culture tells you to go to work for somebody. And um, I was kind of grew up in that. So, you know, I grew up uh, not in a Christian home and uh, came to the Lord uh, at an FCA meeting, uh, played football in junior high. And the football coach said, you guys need to come to a meeting tonight. So I showed up and uh, kind of got a trap where they presented the gospel and the the coach was probably, I think he became a convict later on. And, uh, but, you know, God used a, a voice that, you know, his word did not return void. And uh, that changed my life that night. It was just a simple gospel message. But at 13 years old, uh, it's the first time I really felt the drawing of the Holy Spirit. And uh, my, my world, I say, went from black and white to color that night and uh, has never changed the the love for the Lord. And I didn't know any Christians and I didn't have a church to attend or anything. So uh, interesting. I kind of self-discipled myself for about the (laughs) next three years before I got a car and started attending church. So uh, really grew in the Lord during that time. And it was very sweet and just uh, God did so many miraculous things for me during that season. But um, uh, I married at uh, 21, so I'm just uh, a little over 41 years. I'm married to a wonderful woman, uh, Valerie. And um, we have three children and a grandchild and uh, lived in uh, Texas most of our life and um, have a small business and um, a lot of kingdom contacts and um, just... um, um, enjoying the assignment that God gives us and uh, focusing on that. And uh, once you, once you learn your assignment, uh, it'll sustain you for the rest of your life. Yeah. So you got any memories of when we, like you guys, when I went 25 years ago, I lived with you guys and you were starting Texan. And I remember all that because like your, your desk and office was like right outside that room I stayed in. And uh, you, I would come in yeah. late at night or something. You'd always be sitting there, just you know, just grinding away at something. And 
Derek could always, always be running around talking about owning farms and corn and stuff like that. And like, you know, like there's a, he'd go out he's like, I'm going to own corn. He's like, I'm like, the kid's a genius. I'm like, dude, you're already smarter than you've already forgotten more than I've remembered, you know, forgotten, whatever, whatever you say that. And so I'm in this uh, house, I'm down in Texas, never lived there. There's a, there's a few, there's one funny story that really there of, of a lot that I could bring up, but there was a time I came home around 11 o'clock at night. Do you guys remember that? When you put a dead tarantula in my room? You freaks of nature. That's the story I was going to share. This tarantula. Oh, you were? Okay, well, I'll let you share it, man. Because it, or however you want to say it, but that's like, that was the most frightening thing in the world, dude. I get home, it's like 1130, I turn the lights on. I'm just kind of doing whatever you do in your room, putting, you know, taking stuff out of my pockets. And I look down and on my nightstand next to bed, there's this freaking tarantula. I mean, it's as big as my hand. And I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking about killing that thing. And I'm like, that's going to be so messy. And I don't want to kill that thing. How do you even kill a tarantula? <laughs> I was like, and I'm just kind of like, I'm sitting here. I was, I was up against the dresser and I was like, hope it doesn't jump. Hope it's not a jumping tram tarantula. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I hear these, already did, and you just didn't know. I didn't know. And all of a sudden I hear the, these snickers at the top of the stairwell there. You know, I'm like, Oh, I've been set up. So that's <laughs> so funny, man. <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, I remember Texas. I, I experienced in Texas Southern hospitality. Probably for the, it was the first time. I remember I pulled into your neighborhood and people were like waving to me like all the time. I'm like, what are these? I don't know these people. I'm just, like, what are they freaking waving at me for? You know, like, oh, they're Southern. They're, they're nice. <laughs> I was like, they're just being nice. I think that from the north, like we don't really do that. We're we stare people down. Like, where are you driving at my house for? <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, I had sweet tea for we the first time. We had a lot time. of fun during those years. And I remember uh, we were at uh, Valerie's mom and dad's house once for I think it was Thanksgiving dinner, and you guys thought it was funny because I was eating the roast or whatever it was you guys had cooked, and you're like, you guys were like, did you like it? I'm like, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was good. It's like, yeah, there was venison in there. I'm like, oh, because I'd never had venison. And you guys were like, you tricked me into it. So I was like, give me some more. <laughs> That's funny. <clears throat> so anyway. I see- do remember, Brian, uh, you telling us during uh, 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 the time you were there, because you, you could uh, you could eat forever, it seemed like. <laughs> and I remember you telling us, I don't think I've ever been full in my whole life. I, I still feel that way. I've never bro. eaten until I was full. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that because I still say that line. I haven't. I have never really felt like I could get full. I ate, it's a terrible problem. So I have to watch my calories now because I'm not as uh, you know my metabolism is not as fast. So yeah. Well, I, I just have always loved you guys. You guys became very influential in my life. I mean, that was a really strategic year. God definitely wanted us to connect because, you know, you guys kind of had your own uh, way of choosing who lived with you. And, you know, just the Lord was just in and all these years later, we've always, you know, stayed connected. And so you're on you're on this episode because you're someone who I really respect in really a lot of different ways uh, from the spiritual aspect to just the way you father, the way you lead, the way you kind of. And when I thought of endurance, I you know, when I thought of having you on as an episode, I thought, well, what can we talk about? I'm like, man, this guy's one of the guys that is, has, uh, you've been, you're running the race of your life and in your assignment very well. And I've watched you navigate, uh, church cultures that God's called you to be in. I've watched you navigate your businesses and, 
how all that stuff's working. You still with me, Steve? Okay, Brian, I'm back now. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, we'll just keep going. So um, I really have a lot of respect for you. So I kind of like for you to kind of talk through some of our questions we have, like how do you define success? Um, and has, you know, obviously success hasn't been easy for you. That's an easy question for anybody to guess probably, but how do you define success in your life? And, uh, we've got some questions here, like what type of pain, fear, the unknown have you had to endure, uh, to navigate through, like what, how do you define success? What have you faced and, you know, what keeps you tenacious? Like you are, what keeps you going? Well, you know, is uh, I'm 63 years old now, so uh, I figured, you know, you, you really wanted to um, bring me on because I'm probably one of the oldest people you know. <laughs> so, uh, still around, but uh, I um, I define success a little different than I probably did, uh, you know, if you'd asked me this question 20 years ago. But uh, I think definitely, um, I think the first part of uh, being a success is discover your purpose or assignment. What are you here for? Why are you breathing air on this planet? And that's a, that's huge to, to understand what that is. And I think a lot of times, sadly, a lot of people get through life and really never discover that. But uh, I think it starts there. And then uh, I think preparing and to work and to serve on your assignment. Uh, you know, that, and that, that takes many many disciplines where you, you become focused, you may prepare through schooling, through training, um, and then to really serve in that assignment. And then um, as, we'll, as we talked about the endurance is just staying faithful to that assignment to the end. I think, uh, you know, when you talk about faithfulness, I, I was thinking uh, I enjoy watching sports and occasionally you'll, you'll watch a game that will go into several overtimes where it's in um, – basketball or football, uh, college football, they can go into many overtimes. And, and you watch those guys that are just worn out. But I've never seen a team yet that just walked off the field and said, I'm too tired to play anymore. You know, they stay with it. They, they keep yeah. fighting to the very end, you know. And how disappointing would it be to see someone do that? Yeah, I think in our culture, a lot of times that's almost accepted. And people say, why are you still doing that? Are you still, you know, in that? Do you see all the obstacles? Why don't you just retire? Why don't you just move on? And our culture kind of expects that. And I think it's a live Satan that a lot of times we buy into because our friends, our family, people say, you know, this has just gotten too hard. You just need to give up and just go enjoy life. Yeah, because <clears throat> the path you've chosen is a lot of the same path I've chosen. You know, we talked about the other day on the phone, how we're both kind of like starters and that, that puts us in a category of like being tr trailblazers. I'm not wired to uh, go to like who needs a pastor.com and find a church that <laughs> needs somebody like me. You know, I'd, I'd rather just kind of start my own thing. So you identified something very powerful <clears throat> to, to endure in, in the war of endurance, this battle of enduring till the end has to do with knowing your why. So how did you discover your why? Like, what's your why? Like when, because I know you've been through, and I'm not saying you have to share it here because a lot of stuff gets personal, but you've been through some crazy pain in your business. And I know firsthand how difficult mm -hmm. your road has been. And 
So what? how do you know your why? Because that why does sustain you when you can come back at the end of the day. So what's like one thing you would, how did you help? How can people find that why? Because that's kind of not, that's not easy. It doesn't have, it's not overnight. It doesn't happen. Yeah. <clears throat> so what's a, what's a tip you would have on discovering your why? Yeah, I, I think uh, as I process that question, I, I think I'd have to relate that in our culture and even in our church culture. Um, I, after I became a Christian, I, everybody in school, all the way through high school, called me preacher because I was very passionate about Christ and sharing it. So, uh, you know, my thoughts was I was going to go become a preacher in full-time ministry, and that didn't work out. And I, you know, got in the business world and stayed there and felt for many years like a second-class Christian because mm -hmm. I wasn't in full-time ministry. And uh, the, the church, uh, and I, I think a lot of pastors and people within full-time ministry don't really understand the marketplace and just how vital that is. And then, you know, I started understanding as you read through the Old Testament, you know, there's uh, 61, I think, high priests named in the, uh, in the Bible. Hmm. That's the top of the church mountain, if you will. Uh, right. Yeah, how many sermons have you heard preached about a chief priest? Or how many chief priests can you name? Uh, right. Yet all the patriarchs of the Old Testament were marketplace people, business people, um, not ministry. Even the kings were basically, we can correlate that to, to business now, business place, marketplace. So, you know, we, we've, we've bought into this narrative for many years, even in the New Testament. If you think about it, Jesus was marketplace. And uh, that's where he operated was in the marketplace. And so Paul was very influential in that as well. So mm -hmm. we see all these examples through the word, yet in our culture, especially in our church culture, if you've been involved with that for long, um, <laughs> most church cultures really encourage people to get into full-time ministry and to abandon the marketplace ministry. And um, I dealt with that for many years, and uh, I think it really uh, inhibited me for many years because there wasn't that encouragement to be that entrepreneur and um, to go out and, and start something. And we looked at uh, guys in our church that were in the marketplace and successful as uh, people that could help the church with finances, but not with ministry. We never looked to them for ministry. We just looked to them for finances. So uh, my paradigm was very... Um, probably very wrong because of what I grew up in. And uh, it took a while to, to sort that out. And I, I feel like uh, that's happening now. And there's pastors like you that see the value in that. And it's so critical for all of us to understand our assignment, wherever that's at. Uh, it's critical that we just thrive in that assignment. <clears throat> yeah, that's, man, you brought up a huge black eye, I would say, that the church has, that I've worked really hard on the languaging over the, over the last decade. So I don't call, I don't, I don't, I've trained myself to not say I'm in the ministry because mm -hmm. you're in the ministry, Steve. And I know you know that, but I don't use that language around people. Like I'm in the ministry. I actually use the language that I'm called to church leadership. I'm called to the church. Mm -hmm. I'm, called, I'm called to the church. You're called to the marketplace. 
And I ran into a very powerful entrepreneur many years ago. He's a good friend of mine now. And he, he was, he was kind of dealing with these tensions of like, maybe he's trying to, to do what I do, start a church, all this stuff. And he'd already had a very successful business. And I went out to breakfast with him and I'm like, Hey, I prayed about this and no way, dude, don't do this. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you can like make your, you make mistakes and make gold off of it. You know, I'm like, you're, you have an anointing, you have a skill set to make money and to don't, don't get, don't get that crossed with the church confusion. The message is the church sent that somehow leading a church or having one is like more powerful than what you do. And uh, <clears throat> I've attracted a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, helping them go, go, go start, man. You got to take faith and go out and do this. So it's really powerful. So I say church and marketplace. And I love what you're bringing up here because you're totally right. Who knows any high priests? Like, I don't even know if I could name uh, many of them, you know. And and I agree that we have to understand our, our why. You know, like when I think about when I said earlier in the beginning, when I said, that we got to understand the big picture of what God's doing. Here's the big picture in a simple statement. God called Israel to be his people. So he sanctified them. He's, he called them to be set apart. He put his love, his law, his grace inside of these people. So in turn, by the way they live, that they would go out into the world and sanctify God. They would set God apart because they would be his people. It's that simple. That's what God's been doing for 6,000 years through through the, uh, some people might call it the Old Testament or Old Covenant, all the way through the New, the entirety of the scriptures. That's what God's doing. Some of the framework has changed, but that's what God's doing. So in our assignments in business, like what you're saying, the why, the reason why it's important to know your why is because exactly what Steve is saying, like, the, the, there's a scripture I love that says in the, you know, with many, with, what is it? With uh, <clears throat> many advisors, you can wage your war with wise counsel. You can mm -hmm. wage your war is what scripture mm -hmm. says. <clears throat> so we don't have to camp on this forever because we, we can't really answer it specifically on this mm -hmm. one episode, but discovering your why has a lot to do with running with the body of Christ. It does. You, you want to be with some healthy minded believers. Yes. You do need to know, cause you might, you know, maybe your church is all about, Hey, go in the ministry, go in the ministry. And they don't use the separated language. I I've trained myself. Steve Wilson's in the ministry. I'm in the ministry. I happen to be in the ministry in the church format and culture. He's in the marketplace. Yeah. If I had to do it all over again, Forget church, the church, man. I'll just do all marketplace. <laughs> anyway, that, that's a whole nother episode. Um, it's a whole nother point, pain point in my life. But, but, um, yeah, Steve, I think you bring up a, that's a really powerful thing. The language it gets confusing. You've been very successful in business. You you, you kind of had a humble introduction of yourself. You know, I run a small business. Well, you're not selling like uh, you know little trinkets on the side of the road. You're you, you've actually done some really big things and you've actually built out some really large frameworks for some really big global type things. So that was a really nice, humble introduction you gave, but <laughs> I know who you are. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I, so I think it's just important for you to understand your why. Yeah, it is. How, long, how long do you think that took you, Steve? You're saying that it took five, six years for you to understand your why? 
No, it, it took decades. Uh, <laughs> I would say probably 25 years of being in the church and oh my God. starting to understand um, as I uh, studied the scriptures and uh, really began to understand uh, and really hearing from the Lord. And and I think I think God's always broadcasting at a frequency that if you dial into that frequency, a lot of us start hearing the same thing, you know, because we're going, well, I heard the same thing because the Lord is is publishing, if you will. And broadcasting, uh, and I think uh, as the uh, if you're familiar with the seven mountains of culture, and uh, that that really was a release for me to understand that uh, you know I, I'm in the business sector. There's people in the education, political, uh, arts, uh, media. There, there's many avenues that we work, and it all affects the culture so immensely. And when when if you just look at the church, the church really, it's a piece of the culture, but it's not the entire culture. And I think a lot of the issues we have in our nation right now is because we've abandoned many of these other mountains in our culture, like the media, especially, but politics, um, education, business, um, the arts, it's, it's all so influential to the culture. And we need Christians. We need, and I think we all have assignments in in those, you know, in, in each of those sectors. And uh, if there's a deficiency there, the entire culture suffers. Well, you're you're bringing a because we, in a lot of ways, we failed in the area of endurance in some of these areas. I mean, I believe even the governmental, political state that our country's in is because the church kind of a kind of abandoned the the political realm you know and we in yes. there's just been such a misunderstanding it, it's it's so talk about that why why is the marketplace so important to God's God's heart like what what is it about the marketplace why what are some some key factors um I think you pointed out a big one like that's where most of life takes place but how does the kingdom work in the marketplace? Like what, what are the goals of that setup? What, what's God trying to do there? What's, what's the, what's the point? Why, why is it so important to God? Well, ultimately what I found is if, uh, if you're talking to any business person, the, the, uh, the heart of a strong business person is, is service, offering a service. It, it starts there. So it's such a kingdom concept that you serve people. And, uh, you know, that shines through if you think about the local restaurants you go to, the local businesses you go to, you're attracted to that service. And basically it starts at the top and it fl- filters down all through the organization. And uh, the, the, the organizations, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the organizations that, that desire to serve um, prosper. And uh, a lot of times you see organizations that prosper for many years, but ultimately it gets all about money and it gets about other things outside of the of serving people. So to me, business is so critical uh, in so many areas. Yet, uh, you know, the profits from business and the activity of business funds so much. Uh, it influences so much. It influences virtually every other area of culture is business. And I think uh, now with technology and the way we're driven in technology, we see that uh, there's technology that really blesses mankind throughout the world. Just think of even the platform we're using today. 
and how we can get a message out and we can get information out and disperse it through technology. And, uh, you know, there's so many areas, uh, be it transportation, uh, be it uh, electricity, telecommunications, all that has just made the world so much more livable and so much more smaller. Yet if we allow, uh, and I think we're seeing this, uh, certain authorities in platforms and in technology, they're actually starting to control things instead of blessing people. <laughs> they're basically telling you what you can and cannot say. And it's because we've given that over to people that have, uh, I think, may have started right, but now they've become uh, controlling and dominating. And um, mm -hmm. that's where we need the believers and we need uh, the Christians to come forward and, and take dominion over those areas. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in the the only problem. Now, again, you can look at spiritual issues and you can talk about how we're more godless in our society than we've ever been. Or, I mean, I'm not, I'm not dismissing all those tensions, but I believe constitutionally in this country, the biggest problem we have is, is we, the people, <laughs> we're not the, we, the people part need to be doing the, we, the people stuff. Yes. And yes. we really got to wake up in the, in the church. It's not about being mean or cruel. It's about really, it's about living the way God created us to live. I mean, God gave us a great gift in this, in this land and in the government that we have and the moorings and the framework. So yeah, marketplace, I like how you're putting all that out there. I mean, cause I would rather champion someone to be in the marketplace. Well, let me rephrase that. I mean, obviously you want to discern and kind of, you know, maybe they are called to the church. And for those, I have a special message, you know, but, uh, and then if you're called a marketplace, because it's like 80% of life happens in the marketplace. You know, you think about the few times we gather. That's why the scripture says, don't forsake the gatherings because they don't. I mean, yeah, the first century church gathered every day. We tend to gather at least on Sundays and then maybe a couple times a week. It depends on how the church is structured that we go to. But most of our life is either going to be in a family unit structure, which that's really under attack and, and destroyed mm -hmm. in a lot of places in our country, um, and then the marketplace. So the opportunities we have in the marketplace, the opportunities to share our faith, the opportunities to actually yes. to actually live right. Like think about the message of just living upright that we have. If you just go to a to a good job and you're you're a faithful, you're gonna the war of endurance as an employee or business owner, or however you fit in the business structure. If you just live upright and do the right thing, you're probably going to excel, <laughs> you know, because yeah. finding people, well, that's more and more a popular thing nowadays, come into a company and teach them about character, teach them about ethics. Um, so yeah, I like, I like how you're saying this in the church. We need to have a vision and a passion on <clears throat> why Jesus emphasized the marketplace in such a powerful way. Cause it's where, it's where the kingdom activity takes place. <clears throat> so, Hey Steve, we're going to kind of shift here to wrap up. So I was sure. thinking, um, I, I, I put this crazy question on the, the, the episode for us. Um, if you had 10 million men in front of you, um, what, what's the one thing that you would say to them? What's that one passionate thing that you would communicate mm -hmm. to them? Mm -hmm. 
That's a challenging question, Brian. And, uh, <laughs> uh, really, what uh, what I feel the Lord directed me, uh, the answer to that would be in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And uh, I'll just uh, read that right quick. I think most of us are familiar with that uh, passage, but it's just so powerful. And uh, it says, and Jesus came. This is right as he's about to ascend to heaven. Uh, his final words were, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power, and actually that's uh, exousia, which uh, really means authority, all authority in heaven and in earth are given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world, or the end of the age. And, um, you know, I don't think that deserves a lot of commentary outside of understanding that a lot of times we, we look at situations and we think we think authority has been given over, be it to Satan or to governments or whatever. But I go back to this scripture and go, no, all authority is under the lordship of Jesus. It's, it's, it's delegated to us right now. And we're living in such an amazing time that we can take back that authority. But, you know, you can go to a bad neighborhood and get mugged. They didn't have really the authority to mug you, but they had the, they, they still had the ability to do it. That's good. And I think a lot of people are getting mugged right now. They're getting beat up. They're getting uh, eliminated sometimes not because there's an authority that's doing it, but because we're, uh, we're allowing it, if you will. And uh, Jesus said, hey, all authority now, he's taken the keys to everything. All authority is given to him and delegated to us to, to, to spread his word, to spread his um, teachings throughout the world. Wow. <clears throat> so you started off by answering that question I want to go to a passage we're familiar with. And I was right when you said that, I'm like, that's the problem because we're, we've grown too familiar mm -hmm. and I'm glad you read that scripture and you just highlighted that there was a transaction on the cross of authority to Christ. And it's still mysterious, right? There's it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not a magic formula, right? Like, but yet it's so true. And it's part of the ancient prophetic moorings of God's heart that the Christ took the authority back. The enemy still has abilities. He's been bruised, but not destroyed yet. He's been defeated, mm -hmm. but not destroyed. Man, that's a good word. Walking it does put a lot of responsibility still on us, you know, yeah. even though, cause I can delegate authority. If I, I can delegate authority to my employees, but they still have to go out and work and, you know, take the marketplace, even though I gave, you know, I gave them the authority. Maybe I gave them the resources to do it. It's still up to them to do it. And I think that's where Jesus is saying to us. And he was saying to his uh, followers in that day, all authority is mine. I'll give it to you guys. Go out and change the world. Wow. Go out and change your world. I just say yes to that. Like that's, yeah. I need to hear that now, you know, I'm, 25, 26, seven years into this walk with God. And I loved your answer earlier. How long did it take you to find your, your, uh, your why? 
Five years? No, decades. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is so important for people to realize it's this is a relationship. And in the journey of following Christ, in in the in, in Grace Ops, the message of you know, the word ops and grace together are are actually kind of they don't belong, right? So it's kind of it's this tough grace. It's grace training. And you just kind of fall in this daily, these rhythms with God and intimacy and, and coming close to him. And yeah, it, it takes time, you know, hmm. it takes time. And so one of the things I've been, I love your word and I want, I want to stay on that authority that we would go and let's take this word Steve gave and man, if you're listening to this, take this seriously. Like, how can I go in the next 24 hours? How can I be more aware? Maybe go read those scriptures. Don't just be familiar. Go go look up Matthew 28 and, and read read the whole chapter. I mean, get get the whole point of, and if you want to go further out, read the whole book of Matthew. Like go all the way, because it goes all it culminates all the way at the end there of the because we, we like to emphasize go, but what are we going with? It's like what Steve said, we're going with the authority of Christ. And it, the concept of living upright is basically when we live upright, it establishes that authority in the earth. I, I have a phrase I've always kind of loved. It's, it's this, it's stand until the earth moves. Stand in the authority that Christ has given us until the circumstances of the earth change. That's the war of endurance is standing faithful. Even if you're the only one on the battlefield, even if you're the only one, the most offensive thing to the heart of God is unbelief. So standing in the place of belief, and you can only do that if you know your why. And I'm convinced you can only know your why in the plurality. So when I say plurality here, I'm talking three to five wise counsel. And that's a whole nother episode. We've already done episodes on that. You can dig some of those up, but <clears throat> we're not called to walk alone, brothers, yeah. sisters. We're not, you're, you're not going to be uh, an overnight success. God's not, God doesn't care about making you famous. He cares about making you faithful. He doesn't say, well done, thou, thou good and famous good. servant. <laughs> he says, well done, thou good and faithful, <laughs> faithful servant, right? Faithful servant. And, I want to take this this last word Steve gave. I just I want to personally challenge myself in the next 24 hours, 72 hours. Authority. And it, and I love how you said it, Steve, because it's been taught wrong. It's not necessarily yeah. the authority of the believer, although you can look at it that way. You said it. It's the authority of Christ. The authority of Christ. Brian, right. a couple of years ago, I, 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 the Lord showed this to me. Um, we, we see people that carry authority, let's say the local police force. Uh, when that policeman pulls up behind you and flashes those lights, pull you over, you're not looking at him and going, that looks like Brian Phillips. You know, I bet he kicked his dog on the way out of the house this morning. <laughs> you know, he, he, he's, you know, I look at the authority you carry. Right. And in the spiritual realm, we have to start seeing ourselves, not that, wow, I messed up and, uh, you know, said something I shouldn't have said or whatever. They don't see that. They see the authority of Christ on us. If we carry that, there's a confidence we can have in what God's calling us to do, that it's not about us. It's about that sacrifice he made and that delegation of authority that now resides on us. 
Oh, I love it, man. We should do another episode just on that. <laughs> yeah. You just you just ended with like a mic drop. Is that what you just did? You drop you got this little mic at home, you're like, boom. Man, what a great answer to that question. One of my passions, and as we close this up here, um, there's this quote I've used my whole life, and I don't even remember who said it, but there's this quote I've always loved that we're all born originals, but so many of us die. Most of us die as copies. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't want you to die as a copy. You know, there's we're supposed to walk in unity, but not... Um, that doesn't mean there's a uniform, like uniformity. We don't all have to do the same thing. It's not, that's why I've always hated cookie cutter Christianity. Like be like me, look like this, you know, say what I, you know, and there's, there's power in some of that. I don't want to throw all that away, but, but the scripture says that God's building us as his body and he compares it to living stones. And if you're building with stones, that's very hard work. I mean, stone work is to get two stones to come together, whew, you know, versus two bricks. That's that's what most church cultures done. It's called it's like it's like yes. brickianity, brickianity, right? Like let me shape you into this little brick, and then we can build something cool and fast. And the church is more concerned about how fast they grow. Um, but I've always been more attracted to like slow, methodical growth that mm-hmm. nothing can stop. You know, I've had a different mindset, and really, what we're talking about today is mindset. The war of endurance mm-hmm. has a lot to do with your mindset, your heart set, your spirit set, right? Like how all that stuff functions together. Man, I I feel rich right now just being with you, Steve. <laughs> like, <clears throat> I love you, love your passion. Um, it's been an honor to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time, man. Thank you, Brian. This has been wonderful. And right, blessings folks. to Grace Ops. Uh, very excited about what the vision God's given you for Grace Ops. It's so critical right now. Uh, you know, I grew up in a almost a whole different culture of um, masculinity was celebrated and the attack on it has been just uh, uh, scary uh, where, where things are, are have gone and just how fast they're deteriorating. We got to have uh, this message in our culture. It's working. And, you know, yeah. I'm so glad you said that and said it that way because it wasn't too long ago. I was like, God, it's too late. Hmm. And he, the Lord rebuked me. He's like, no, this is like perfect, perfect timing. I've got this is hitting all at perfect timing. So I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Let's lock and load. Let's do this thing. It's it's about encouraging the heart of a man and, and then really reaching the family. You know, we really want to mm-hmm. influence the families by reaching the men, encouraging the men. Yes. Well, man, it's been this has been a rich episode. I'm going to really love uh, sharing this out with our platform. And thanks for the time. I look forward to having you back as a future guest. You know, we're friends. We'll, we'll be doing this. I got to come down to Texas and see you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <But> anyway, you do. <laughs> yeah, anyway, man, uh, it's been awesome. And I just want to tell everybody on the podcast, this has been a really rich time. Take a moment or two, read through Matthew or that last, just focused on that authority, Christ, authority of Christ, which happens to be yours. But I love the emphasis. It's Christ's authority first, then it's mine to be responsible to walk in and to know how to, to, to kind of wield it in the earth. And, and so that's our heart. That's our passion and grace ops until next time, be passionate for God and live upright.